Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 772 for the 10th of December, 2021. This week, all of the apps in Adobe's $10 per month photo plan received updates at this year's Adobe Max conference. Time-saving artificial intelligence tools continue to lead the way. In short circuits, far too many people operate computers without any defined backup system in place. This is unwise, particularly when free backup applications exist. Although health insurance, Medicare, and Medicaid cover the full cost of COVID tests, you might want the convenience of rapid in-home testing. Some organizations provide those tests for free, and the costs are dropping if you have to pay for a kit yourself. In spare parts, only on the website, according to FakeSpot, more than 30% of online product reviews are phony. People looking to stream episodes of the Netflix hit Squid Game often end up downloading malware instead. And 20 years ago, I was cautiously optimistic about the future of big tech trade shows like PC Expo. That optimism was largely misplaced. Concurrent with Adobe Max, users of the company's photo apps received updates that include some dramatic improvements. Photoshop, Bridge, Lightroom, Camera Raw, and Lightroom Classic are the components of the photography plan that costs $120 per year. Let's take a look at some of the new features in each of the components. In Photoshop, an improvement to object selections called Object Finder automates and greatly enhances Photoshop's selection tool set. Selections are essential for masks. The first attempt many years ago was called the Magic Wand Selection Tool. Many users referred to it as the Tragic Wand. That was unfair because it was remarkable for the time. But times change. Selection options have improved a lot, and Object Finder pushes the technology to the point that it's almost perfect. Using Sensei Artificial Intelligence, this year's refinements reduce manual selection time and sometimes eliminate manual selection entirely. Take a look at the TechBiter Worldwide website and you'll see a photo. Consider an image of a small boy on a stroller with handlebars. Assume my goal is to remove the busy background with a sidewalk, grass, a vehicle, and the stroller's umbrella. Doing this with only manual selection tools would take at least an hour. But if I start with the Object Selection tool and ensure that Object Finder is selected, the process will be much faster. The selection is surprisingly accurate, nearly perfect on the subject, with just a few bits that will need to be fixed manually later. After I clicked Object Selection, since I took about 30 seconds to analyze the image, when I applied a mask without doing any additional manual work to it, I saw that part of a stroller handle had been included, along with some of the car in the background, and a bit of the stroller. Additionally, there was some color fringing, and a bit of the lawn was included between his body and his arm. It took about five minutes for me to manually edit those few bits and reduce the color fringing. The image is now about 95% done.
I added a background that's based on a color in the coat. Now, this would be acceptable for most uses, but some minor edge touch-ups on the leg would still be useful. Overall, though, this is a big win for Photoshop users. Neural filters should all be considered as beta. They were introduced last year, some improvements were included this year, and a couple of new filters. When they work, the results can be amazingly good. When they don't, well, not so good. New this time around is one that colorizes old black and white images. This can be very effective, as I found when I selected an image from a tiny parade in a tiny town. The photo was taken in 1965 or maybe 1966. Several profiles are available that are intended to give the filter a clue about how strong you want the colorization to be. In addition to that, there are controls for strength and saturation. These controls have a lot more effect than you might expect. Take a look at the TechBiter Worldwide website. You'll see two approaches to colorizing that photo. I prefer the more subtle coloration, but the stronger coloring could be useful for some images. There are lots of other new or improved features in Photoshop. If you'd like all the details, take a look at Adobe's blog post on Photoshop 2022. You'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. Lightroom and Lightroom Classic have similar names and increasingly similar features, but Lightroom Classic is the more powerful of the two. Lightroom is the more portable of the two. The older Lightroom Classic runs on desktop computers and is comfortable managing tens of thousands of images or more, maybe a lot more. Lightroom is the newer version. It's intended for use on desktop computers, tablets, and phones. Changes made to photos in Lightroom are replicated on the web, so they're accessible on any device that's running Lightroom. Masking has been improved in both Lightroom versions to closely match what's available in Photoshop. To test this, I started with a 1994 photo of a seagull in Seattle. Masking options include the previous choices, brush, linear, and radial, and several new choices, select subject, select sky, color range, luminance range, and depth range. I selected masking and then specified subject. The image you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website has a clearly distinguished subject, so the selection was absolutely perfect. Then in the masked selection, I decreased exposure a little bit, added some texture, clarity, and dehazing, and that brought out more detail in the gull. Now that image was captured on film 27 years ago, and I scanned the negative early in November. Film doesn't have the dynamic range that digital sensors do, so some of the highlights in the feathers are blown out and not recoverable. Still, the result is a significant improvement. Lightroom offers the same selection options as Lightroom Classic, so I decided to try it with a cityscape photograph taken early in the COVID pandemic, hence, as you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website, very empty streets. The sky is an attractive blue already, but okay, let's say I'd like an outer space alien world look. That turned out to be quite easy. Lightroom selected the sky quickly and accurately, very accurately, in just a few seconds. I then boosted the saturation a bit and shifted the hue about 60 degrees. The result, an unearthly purple sky. The entire process took less than a minute. And, of course, there's more. 
Crop overlays, community remix, and Lightroom Academy are a few features in Lightroom that can help photographers improve their skills. Nearly every photo can be improved by cropping, even if you carefully compose in the camera. The camera's aspect ratio might not be the best choice for any particular image. Both the Mac and Windows versions of Lightroom offer overlays that help users visualize common cropping techniques such as rule of thirds, golden ratio, and golden spiral. Community Remix lets users share an image to see how other Lightroom users would edit it and view photos shared by others and show how you might edit them. Those who are new to photo editing could learn from seeing others' techniques. Community Remix is available on both Windows and Mac versions of Lightroom, but not Lightroom Classic. By keeping the process somewhat private, Adobe avoids problems with trolls and other annoyances. And Adobe has significantly improved online training and educational options. Lightroom Academy is free. Anybody can use it, even if you don't use Adobe's software. Currently, about 20 lessons are present, and they cover a lot of basics. Adobe promises to add more soon, and the lessons use images from Lightroom photographers. Students can work with interactive controls to follow along on the lessons. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, everybody needs a backup plan, but not everybody has one. Aomi's Backupper application is one of several free backup programs, but it does more than just perform backups. The free version does have some limitations that mainly cost additional time during your backups, but even the free version has useful additional features such as disk cloning. The $50 paid version offers free unlimited updates and technical support. The company frequently offers discounts that make it possible to buy the paid versions of Backupper and Partition Assistant for the cost of just one of the applications. Although the free version does include a clone option, the paid version adds system cloning and the ability to adjust partition size, add unused space, and clone a dynamic disk volume. Backupper supports all versions of Windows from XP through Windows 11, as well as all disk formats that can be used with any of those Windows versions. It can also backup files, folders, and systems to standard hard disks, solid-state disks, external disks, RAID systems, and even network-attached storage devices. Backups can be scheduled based on time or specific events. Backups can include any combination of files, folders, partitions, disks, and systems. Now, that's pretty much what you'd expect any backup application to do, but Backupper can also be used for cloning disks when you replace the computer's primary disk with a larger or faster unit. 
AOMI Backupper's downloadable PDF documentation covers all use cases in a relatively compact 80 pages. Unfortunately, it's not always easy to read because the document was translated from Chinese to English by someone who is clearly not a native speaker of English. If you get stuck, support is provided with online forums and by email. The free version is easy to use and has features that will appeal to home users. To learn more, visit the AOMI website. You'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Two primary types of testing exist for COVID, one fast and more or less accurate, one slow but highly accurate. Health insurance, Medicare and Medicaid cover the full costs of these tests, but those without any kind of insurance or those who want an at-home option will have to obtain a testing kit. Some organizations provide these for free. Costs are dropping even if you have to buy one. Rapid tests usually provide results within hours or even minutes if administered at home, and they don't need to be analyzed by a laboratory specialist. These usually are antigen tests. The CDC no longer uses the word rapid to describe antigen tests because laboratory-based antigen tests have also been approved. PCR tests are almost always more accurate than rapid tests, they are estimated to provide correct results 97.2% of the time. That's according to research by the Centers for Disease Control in January 2021. PCR stands for polymerase chain reaction. They diagnose COVID-19 by detecting genetic material of the coronavirus. PCR tests are considered to be the gold standard for diagnosis by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Antibody tests look for antibodies created by the immune system. The CDC's research said that antibody tests are correct between about 85% and 92% of the time. Correct means that the test doesn't return a false positive if the person being tested is not infected, and that it does not return a false negative if the person being tested is infected. Later research by the CDC suggests that rapid tests perform better than they were thought to almost a year ago. Rapid tests rarely give false positive results, but false negatives are somewhat more common. People who had symptoms of COVID-19 received correct results about 72% of the time. People who had no COVID-19 symptoms received accurate positive results about 58% of the time. Timing was also important. Rapid tests were more accurate during the first week that the person being tested had symptoms. Accuracy dropped substantially in the second week. Because rapid tests can be performed nearly anywhere and provide results in minutes, they are commonly used at home in a doctor's office, a pharmacy, school clinic, long-term facility, an airport, drive-through testing sites, and places like that. During the test, a cotton swab is inserted into the nose, throat, or both to collect mucus and cells. This can be done by a medical professional or a family member, or even by the person being tested. The sample is then placed on a strip that changes color if the test is positive for COVID-19. These tests require more of the virus in the sample to report an accurate, positive result. Those who want to use a rapid test at home will find kits priced at $15 to $25 per test, but kits by iHealth Labs are available for $7 per test. 
No prescription needed, so they're available over-the-counter at some drugstores, and they are eligible for purchase under a flexible spending account for people whose employer offers an FSA. The tests can also be purchased online, and iHealth claims an 81 to 98% accuracy for positive tests, 93 to 96% accuracy for negative tests. The Food and Drug Administration issued an emergency use authorization for over-the-counter sale of iHealth's COVID-19 antigen rapid test kits in November. The tests come in packages of two test kits. That's because the best accuracy requires two tests over a maximum of three days with at least 24 hours and no more than 48 hours between tests. No tests are needed for spare parts. Visit the TechBiter Worldwide website, scroll down a bit, and this week you'll find these articles. According to FakeSpot, more than 30% of online product reviews are phony. People looking to stream episodes of the Netflix hit Squid Game often end up downloading malware instead. And 20 years ago, I was cautiously optimistic about the future of big trade shows like PC Expo. That optimism turned out to be largely misplaced. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.